0: O Lord, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to us now and help us to put our hope in your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we are continuing our series in the book of 1 Samuel and we're coming to the close of this book. Uh, And so it's good for us to be reminded, I think, as to how this... Incident uh, that is such a unique incident, really, in the history of uh, of the of the Church and particularly the history of Israel. Uh, how this came to be, uh, where does this land in the, the scheme of things in Israelite history? Well, we can go right back to how did uh, how did we get here at all, and that's because of the world being created by God. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He uh, created Adam and Eve. Uh, from Adam, you eventually and Eve, you eventually get Abraham. From Abraham, you eventually get his great grandchildren are uh, the the tribes of Israel, the sons of Israel who uh, become the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, they end up in the land of Egypt, they're brought out of Egypt into the promised land under the leadership of Moses and then Joshua and they live in the land for some time under the leadership of different judges and then there's been this transition which the book of 1 Samuel records for us as to how the the church went from having judges uh, to having a king and the first king of Israel of course is Saul who we see here today and While Saul is on the throne, another king is anointed by God because Saul continues to be disobedient to God and so David is anointed instead. And we see here this morning a real low point in Saul's life as he consults a witch. Now, why did Saul consult a witch? Why did he come to this medium? Why did he come to the witch of Endor? Was it because he was always interested in witchcraft? No. Verse 4 makes that plain to us. Uh, Verse 3, sorry. Verse 3 of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 28 says, Now Samuel was dead and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Saul had actually removed witches from the land was this a good thing to do? Well, the answer is, of course, yes. The law of Moses condemned, God's law condemned witchcraft. For example, in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6, we hear God speak and he says, "'I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute himself by following them, and I will cut him off from his people.'" And then later in that same chapter of Leviticus, chapter 20, verse 27, it says, A man or woman who is a medium or spiritist among you must be put to death. You are to stone them, their blood will be on their own heads. Very clear teaching from God that people are not to consult witches. And if there are witches in the land, they are to be expelled from the land, they are to be put to death even and their blood is on their own heads. So why would Saul change his mind and consult a witch now in this passage that is before us? Well, I think the answer is very clearly given to us in verses 4 and 5, and it's the answer that is fear of man. He is afraid. Verse 4, we read, The Philistines, that's the enemies of the Israelites, assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid afraid terror filled his heart why does saul engage in witchcraft well one of the reasons is his fear of man he is afraid of the philistine army why is he afraid of them well he fears that they may take over the kingdom and he will lose his place as king of the land and of course all the luxuries that come of being king what's another fear that he would have well it'd be the the torture of his body as the previous king of that land Um, The people of those times were not particularly kind to those that they captured, and they would make sport of those that they captured. And we even see that in uh, in a couple of chapters time, uh, when Saul knows that he is going to be captured, he actually decides to commit suicide because he fears what the uncircumcised fellows would do to him. And of course, he is fearful of his own death. He is fearful of losing the kingdom. He's fearful of the harm that may come to his body, the suffering. And of course, he's fearful of his own death. But why does he come to a witch? What does he want a witch to do for him? Well he wants guidance, he wants advice to know what to do, uh, to escape the pain and death that he fears, to escape the people that he is afraid of. And we see that in verse 15, uh, that that is what he is seeking, particularly as he comes to the witch and the spirit that she raises. Uh, Verse 15 we read, Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said, the Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams, so I've called on you to tell me what to do. He wants to know what to do. He wants guidance. In the face of fear of men, he wants guidance to know what to do. And he'd want to know the future. He wants to know what's going to happen and so therefore he can rest easy. We always fear the unknown, we fear what the future holds for us, and so if we know what is going to happen in the future, well then the fear subsides. But why doesn't Saul go to God for guidance and to know what the future holds for him? Well, it's because God has refused to answer Saul, and we read that in verse 6. We read in verse 6, He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets, These well-known ways that the Lord communicated with his people, with visions, or the Urim, that's the reference to the priest where he has the Urim and the Thummim. We aren't quite sure how that worked, but there were these stones that were used for guidance. And then, of course, prophets were used. But Saul finds, as he goes to these common methods, that God does not answer him by these common means at the time. Now, why is this? Why does God not answer him? Well... It's because God often ignores sinful people. People who are repeatedly disobedient to him, he ignores. We see this again and again in the pages of scripture. And what is the sin that Saul has committed? Why has he come to this point where he's going to consult a witch because God does not answer him? Well, we've seen again and again as we've studied this book together, and we've seen Saul rise to the throne and then gradually... uh, and lose the throne more and more. It's quite interesting in this, in this passage. So we, we've looked at the robes of the king and how important they are. And what are his robes in this? They're a disguise. He's taken off his royal robes, which is showing he's losing his kingship here. And he's putting on this disguise. There's a, there's a symbolism that's going on there. But what has he done? Well, we heard many, many months ago about the way that he offered a sacrifice without waiting for Samuel. He was meant to wait for Samuel in order to offer a sacrifice, but he was afraid of men fleeing from him in face of a a battle uh, that the Israelites were, were leaving him, and so he offered a sacrifice without waiting for Samuel to offer it. He spared the Amalekites, who he was commanded to destroy the enemies of God. He murdered a whole town of priests, and we've, of course, seen his persecution of David uh, this rival to the throne, he has again and again attacked him and uh, tried to murder him. And so there's a summary statement about Saul's ministry in 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. It says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. So we see why the Lord is not answering Saul at this point but what was the result of saul engaging in witchcraft what was the result that brought, was brought to him well it's just condemnation you see as this spirit is raised and speaks to him that there's a condemnation that is brought against him for what well for the sin of disturbing the spirit to begin with we see that in verse 15 samuel said to saul why have you disturbed me by bringing me up it's not a commendation thank you for bringing me back There's this condemnation instead, not a commendation, a condemnation uh, for what he's done. And, of course, in that passage in 1 Chronicles 10, it's uh, highlighted as one of the low points of, of Saul's ministry. But, of course, other sins are condemned as well. And we read in verse 18, Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. It's not just condemned for consulting a spirit, but instead he's condemned for all his sins for not obeying the Lord, and particularly the sin of not destroying the Amalekites as king, which he should have done. And what else is the result? He gets condemnation as he brings up this spirit through the witch. What else does he result? And what else is the result of this action of Saul? Well, it's future punishment is predicted. What punishment? Well, defeat and death. And we read that in verse 19. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Saul is going to die. He's going to be defeated. The Israelites are going to be defeated. He's bringing everyone down with him. Even his own sons are going to die tomorrow. And what else is a result? He's got condemnation. He's got punishment predicted. And what else is a result? Well, it's immediate fear and sadness. He couldn't even eat after consulting this witch. He was meant to go to the witch to get this guidance and to alleviate his fears. But what's the result? Verse 20. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone for he had eaten nothing all that day and night. He was filled with fear at the beginning of the passage and here at this point It's like his fear got even worse. He could not even rouse himself from the ground and was not willing to even eat. And so what is the lesson for us this morning as we look at a passage like this? What is the lesson? Well, there's lots of things we could try and learn from this passage. But to keep from error this morning, I'm not going to comment too much on the witch's actions. Uh, Why am I not going to do that? Well, uh, because I think that this is a very unique event in Scripture. And one of the things that uh, we try to do whenever we come across something in Scripture is to look at other clearer Scriptures to help us to understand this passage of Scripture, but we don't have other clearer Scriptures really to help us in this situation. Uh, What are the things that we're usually curious about here? Well, we want to know whether the witch successfully brought up Samuel's ghost or was this a demon or a devil that was speaking uh, to Saul at this point? And then, of course, we want to know about witchcraft and that kind of thing. And so I'm not really going to comment too much on that, whether this is Samuel or, or whether it's a, a some sort of demon. Uh, the commentaries go in all kinds of directions. You can find people who are good guys who say it was Samuel. You can find people who are good guys who say it was clearly the devil. I don't know where they get the word clearly from. Uh, but um, I... If you wanted my thoughts, I have debating all day and I didn't even know to this point whether I'm going to comment here. Uh, I'd probably say it's Samuel. The, the scripture kind of implies that. Verse 15, Samuel said to Saul. 16, Samuel said. Um, and uh, verse 20, Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. Seems like the narrator thinks it's Samuel that's doing the speaking here. Now, why would God allow Samuel to speak? Through a witch, when he wouldn't speak through Urim prophecy, uh, uh, I can't really comment. And I don't want us to go into this area where we start to think that witches are a valid way to consult. This is a unique event, and I think we can have an unhealthy interest in witchcraft. And so I don't want to comment too much on that this morning. What do I want to comment upon? What do I want to make plain to us this morning? Well, what is a plain and helpful lesson from this passage of scripture? Well, I think one of the biggest lessons we can take away from this is to listen to God's voice in order to avoid witchcraft and its consequences. Listen to God's voice in order to avoid witchcraft and its consequences. Does witchcraft still result in condemnation, future punishment, and immediate sadness? Well, the answer has to be yes. And we see this in the New Testament that witchcraft is roundly condemned God Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, says the Apostle Paul as I did before, that those who live like this, engaging in witchcraft along with other acts of the sinful nature will not inherit the kingdom of of God. Clear condemnation in the New Testament to witchcraft. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, we read But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. Who's in the fiery lake of burning sulphur? Those who practice magic arts. And in Revelation chapter 22.15, very similar, we read, outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Witchcraft is condemned by God. It results in punishment, and it brings often immediate sadness to those who engage in it. It does not alleviate their fears. Instead, it fills them with even more terror and dread. So how can we avoid witchcraft and the results of condemnation, punishment and sadness? Well, it's by listening to God to know what to do and what the future holds. That's what Saul wanted. He wanted to know what to do and wanted to know what the future held for him. And so we should be ones who go to God for guidance. We should be ones who go to God to know the future. But how does God speak to us? How does he answer us as we want guidance and we ask of God to give us guidance? How does he guide us? How does he tell us what the future holds? Well, it's by the scriptures. It's by the scriptures that we know that God speaks to us. And this is clearly pointed out to us in Isaiah chapter 8, where it's contrasted with the, the work of witches. Uh, Isaiah chapter 8, turn with me now there to page 683. Page 683. If you have a church Bible, Isaiah chapter 8, and we'll read from verse 19, verse 19 of Isaiah chapter 8, and we'll see a contrast here between consulting the dead and consulting the Lord. Isaiah chapter 8, reading from verse 19, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. See there again, condemnation of witchcraft we see the the pain that they bring even in this world to themselves but what are we supposed to consult verse 20 to the law and to the testimony we are to go to god's word we're to go to his laws if we want guidance we look at his word and what he has commanded we go to his testimony about the future that is being given through the prophets now is it that simple if you want guidance you just simply read god's word and you will get all the answers that you need? Well, does God always answer when we read Scripture? Or are there times when we come to Scripture, we want guidance, like Saul. He came to the Urim, he came to the prophets. He wanted guidance, but God would not answer him. Are there times that we come to the Scripture? And we find that our minds are darkened and it feels as though we just don't understand what the scriptures are saying. The answer has to be yes. Why? Because of our sin. Why did Saul have a problem with God? at that time why did god not answer him because of disobedience why does god not speak to man through his word they read the scriptures and they say i don't get it i don't understand it it makes no sense to me i can't understand what i'm reading and these can be people who can read other documents and understand them completely it's not a problem with literacy right it's as they read the scriptures they just don't get it why Because our sinful minds are darkened and as part of God's judgment against mankind, we cannot understand what he says. And so what happens in such situations as you come to God's usual means of communicating with mankind and you find that he does not seem to communicate with you through it, witchcraft becomes attractive. You can't know what you are to do. You don't know what the future holds. And you hear about witches, those who can raise the dead and tell you what's on the other side. People who have insights into a spiritual realm that can then teach you how to live your life. And so what do we need to do if we are to come to the word of God and to have God answer us clearly from the scriptures? Well, we must go to Christ. We must go to the answer from God, to all our problems, to all our fears. It's Christ himself. He is the true prophet. And if we come to the scriptures in Christ, then he will answer us. And that is what is taught to us in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Turn with me now to page 189, Deuteronomy chapter 18, where there's clear teaching once again about those who consult Witches, but there's again a teaching there about what we are to do instead of consulting mediums and sorcery. Page 189, 189, reading from verse 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. The Lord says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Very clear teaching again. Do not consult the dead. But what does he say you are to do? Verse 14 continues. The nations you will dispossess. Listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. God is raising up a prophet. And you must listen to him. Who is the prophet? The Jews taught as they meditated upon this, that there was a prophet coming into the world, the prophet coming into the world. And you see that when they come to John the Baptist, the Pharisees, and they say, are you the prophet? They're looking for this prophet who we are to listen to. And who is the prophet? Of course, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how does trusting in Christ mean that we then can have God speak to us through the word despite our sin? Because we are all sinners, we have all disobeyed God, and so all of us do not deserve to have God answer us and guide us in any matter. We do not deserve to have God tell us the future, any of us, none of us deserve it. But if we come and we listen to the prophet, if we trust in the prophet Jesus Christ, then despite our sin... God will speak to us through the word. This book will make sense to us if we come in Christ's name. Now, how is that the case? How is it possible for sinners to hear the voice of the living God? It's because Christ was condemned by God. Christ was condemned by God. How so? At the cross, what did Jesus cry out? We had it read to us at the beginning of the service in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is Christ crying out there? He's crying out to one who is not answering him. He is not being answered. The punishment that man deserves for sin is being dealt to Christ. There is no answer to Christ. What else happened to Christ at the cross? He was punished with the punishments of hell. The condemnation that we deserve for our sin was poured out upon Christ. And he was overwhelmed with sorrow. We saw the results of witchcraft on Saul, didn't we? That he was not answered by God. He was punished and he was overwhelmed with sorrow. What do we see with Christ before he goes to the cross? He's overwhelmed with sorrow in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like Saul who, who's on the ground. He can't eat. That's Jesus. Why? Why was Jesus not answered at the cross? Why was Jesus condemned? Why was Jesus overwhelmed with sorrow? Was it because of his own sin? No. Jesus never sinned. He was sinless. So why was Christ condemned at the cross? Well, it's because he suffered in the place of those who trust in him. So believers in him, those who listen to the prophet, won't be condemned. They won't be punished. And they won't be sorrowful, and they will have God answer them. They will not cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he will not forsake them, because he forsook Christ so that they could have God speak to them and guide them. And so God is no longer our enemy, but a loving Father who answers us despite our sin. How do we know that he will always answer us? Well, the promise is given to us in Matthew chapter 7 by the Lord Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread and will, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? There's a promise there. If you ask God for guidance, He will give you guidance. It's a good thing and He's a good Father who loves His children who come to Him in Christ's name. God will give you guidance if you come in Christ's name to the Scriptures. And He will also tell you the future. That's what people want from witches. They want to know what to do and they want to know the future. God reveals the future to his people. He reveals that their future of eternal punishment has changed and now they have eternal reward in heaven itself. And so God answers us in the scriptures if we come in Christ's name. How does he do it? Well, the Holy Spirit from Christ speaks to us through the scriptures. How does he do that? Well, he illuminates our mind directly as we read. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. The spirit helps us understand as we read. And the spirit illuminates our minds by others who have the spirit in them and to teach what is from the word. It can be pastors, it can be books, it can be other Christians. The Spirit uses them to give you answers as to what you are to do and to help you understand what is your future. And what is the result then? If God answers us in the Scriptures as we come in Christ's name, the Holy Spirit through Christ helps us to illuminate our minds? Well, we don't fear men is the result. We don't fear men who can kill the body, yes, but not the soul. Why? Why? Because we know the future. We know the future resurrection is ours and so we have no need to fear men who can kill the body. Our whole army can be here before us and we cannot be afraid. Why? Because we know that even if we die today, it's going to be okay because God has answered us in his word, in Christ's name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we're going to be okay and so we don't need to be afraid. And if we don't fear men, what does that mean? What is the result? Well, we won't engage in witchcraft. We won't engage in witchcraft. Why did Saul engage in witchcraft? Because he was afraid of man and he didn't get an answer from God. If we get an answer from God as to what we are to do and what our future beholds, we're not fearful of man and therefore we won't engage in witchcraft. We'll remove any magic material from our homes, whether it be horoscopes or even more complex magic spell books, whatever you may have purchased in the past and had an unhealthy interest in such subjects and you can of course get them in even our society like ours certain suburbs here in sydney certain shops shouldn't even mention that there's a possibility but it is i've seen them i've walked past them in certain suburbs in this in this city but if we have had god answer us if we know the future and we don't fear man then we don't need such material And we will get rid of it, no matter what the cost may be. It's very interesting, that incident in Ephesus, in in Acts chapter 19, where we see, as people were converted, what they do, they came and they burned their magic scrolls. They had a big bonfire of all their books. And it was an expensive bonfire. You may not have caught it. It tells you how much it cost for that bonfire, if you calculate it. It was actually 130 years worth of wages was burnt that day when they burned their scrolls. Think about your yearly wage, times it by 130. That's how much it cost for the manufacturer of those scrolls that were then burnt. Why did the Christians do it there in Ephesus? Why would they burn 130 years times your salary because they had an answer from God in Christ and they did not need to consult witches anymore. They were not afraid of man anymore. They were not afraid of the future anymore because they knew Christ Jesus. So are you like Saul? Are you like Saul? Do you fear man and want to know what to do? And you want to know what the future holds? Have you looked to witchcraft for guidance and the future? You may say, no, 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 of course not. But are you looking for guidance apart from the scriptures? Satan's voice is not just in witchcraft. His voice is around in our culture all the time. Much of what passes for popular psychology these days is very clearly satanic. The things that they teach now in psychology, some of them are very clearly against what is the counsel of God. You may not engage in witchcraft, but are you listening to voices that are clearly not in keeping with God's word, that are clearly from the depths of hell, from Satan himself? And when you read the scriptures, you may say, oh, yes, I I consult the scriptures. When you read the scriptures, do you consult them without faith in Christ? Do you see this as a, a book of good morals and that stuff about Jesus, It's a bit of nonsense that's there. But generally speaking, it's a good structure to build a society on, some of the councils here in Scripture. Won't you see Saul in 1 Samuel 28 and learn from him? If that is you, if you are consulting anything apart from Scripture or even consulting Scripture without... Trust in Christ Jesus. Won't you see Saul here and learn that looking for guidance outside of Christ and scripture results in condemnation, punishment and sadness? And won't you then come and listen to God's voice? How? Read the scriptures and trust in Christ, the word, the answer of God and do what he says. Do it before it's too late. If Saul had repented there on the ground truly repented then history might have changed for him god often in the old testament he will say this is going to happen in three days time. nineveh is going to be overthrown and what happens the people repent and nineveh is not overthrown if you continue in your course this will happen saul had repented there and then then history might have changed for him don't continue in a hardness of heart if that is you So when you're really scared, God doesn't answer you. If you abandon God, don't be surprised when God abandons you. Why repent? Why turn now? Well, to hear that your future condemnation in hell is changed to a future joy in heaven. Do it now. Hear your future change now. Listen to God's word in Christ right now. Put your faith in the prophet and start to listen to his word. And if you are a believer, let me advise you this morning, and myself included, let us all keep going back to scripture in faith so we're never tempted to go anywhere else. Don't be like Saul, who expelled witchcraft from his life only to return to it when he was afraid love to hear your father's voice in the scriptures through christ by the power of the holy spirit if we have a father who gives good advice a child will always will always keep going back to that father when distressed if you've grown up with a father who's given you good advice and then you're in great distress what does your mind think i call my dad and he'll tell me what to do And so, of course, you don't look to other avenues for advice because you know that your father's voice is tried and true. And so, of course, you go to it. And so, no true Christian can engage in witchcraft. No true Christian can engage in witchcraft. Why? Not just because it is wrong, because the Bible says it's wrong, but because the true Christian has found a voice that is far sweeter than anything that can be pulled up from the grave a voice that is far sweeter. And so all other voices, all other counsels that come to them as to what he should do or she should do are horrible in comparison to the sweet, loving, wise, good voice of the Heavenly Father. Let's come to him in prayer now. Let's speak to him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who speaks To your children. O Lord, we thank you for the faith that you have given us in Christ Jesus so that we can hear your voice despite our sin. O Lord, we ask that you would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to listen to your voice and to do what you say and to rejoice in our future reward. O Lord, if anyone here this morning is looking for guidance outside of Christ and your word, may they feel the sadness of listening to Satan's voice. And may they fear their future punishment and flee to Christ now and know the joy of hearing you speak. Oh, Lord, we pray that everyone in this room would be ones who cry with the Apostle Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we pray this in Christ's name now. Amen.